Hey, this is Edgar. Hello, this is Stanley. And this is Alicia. And where the hell have y'all been? Y'all have been <laughs> y'all have out of the country. Y'all, both of y'all were out of the country. Okay, I have like I feel like at this at this point this is my mo. But Stanley, where the hell were you? Yeah, Stanley, oh where the God. hell were you? I was in Seattle, Washington, for most of the time, mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. in Canada for like one day. Well, good. Well, good. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I do. I do want to say that Stanley threatened through text. That he, was not, that he was not going to come back. And I was yeah. very mad. I was like, no, I'm going to bring your ass back because you have to suffer with all of us. No. <laughs> all right. That's very uh, tempting. <laughs> and Olivia, where were you? I went to the beautiful land of New Zealand. Oh, mm. so jealous. So jealous. Made, made the Lord of the Rings pilgrimage. Oh. <laughs> you, <laughs> you met with the hobbits. You had time with the hobbits. I went to Hobbiton. I went to the Shire. So, oh yes. Oh, my God. I hate you so much. I hate <laughs> you so much. Hate <laughs> uh, is such a strong word. Uh, <laughs> hey, look. Yeah, I'm know. a very passionate man. I'm a very passionate man. I also, I also went to Mount Doom. That was a thing I did as Ooh. well. Ooh. So, okay. Okay. you know. Okay. Casual. I still think we need to maybe start up a travel podcast where we can go <laughs> deep into these stories. Um, so many people have been like, why don't you have a travel blog? And I'm just kind of like, because I'm lazy. Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of it. <laughs> okay. Um, as always, we pl- we plug at the beginning. You can find us everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play. And find us on social media. We are at MinorityPod on Instagram, at MinorityPod on Twitter, and we have a Facebook, The Minority Report. Yep. So follow us. Let us know how we're doing. We always enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, let's get into the show. I'm sure I'll ask you all about your trips maybe a little bit later into, but um, we have some news to talk about. Um, a lot less Trump news this week, and we're sort of trying something new where maybe we don't always discuss Trump. Yeah. Because there's been, uh, I feel like a lot of the political podcasts I listen to, they fall in the, into this pattern of being Trump all the time and just, you know, it's a balance. We're going to have to figure it out. But um, let's get into it. The first sort of big news story I want to talk about is something that's been developing for over a week now. It is North Korea. What the hell is going on in North Korea? Mm-hmm. So last week on Wednesday, there were rumors that North Korea was going to... Uh, test a nuclear weapon. This was very alarming, and um, it caused some shockwaves. This would be their sixth weapon. Um, a lot of people were, you know, justifiably freaking out. It ended up being not true, uh, or as far as we know. I mean, they could be. Um, I mean, there was a missile test, but it was like... There was a missile test sometime after, and it it was totally a, it failed. was like an immediate failure. <laughs> it was an immediate like, oh, failure. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, so that's embarrassing. <laughs> so, so what really like fanned the flames and like made this a bigger story? Because North Korea is like pops up in the news from time to time. They say some like some crazy things, or they test a weapon or do whatever. Is like that, it's not out of the ordinary, right? It's not out of the ordinary. Is what happened is that NBC. Um, ran a story, uh, unconfirmed and with some shady sort of um, sources, that the U.S. was planning a preemptive attack. Mm-hmm. This is what caused a shockwave. People were like, whoa, what? Like, this is not what, like, this is not our M.O. Like, this is not what should be happening. People were freaking out. Um, and it just sort of spiraled 
uh, from there. Um, turns out that was a fabrication as well. Mm-hmm. That did not uh, uh, happen. As far as we know, they could have been planning something that we don't know. Um but you would it, think by now that news <laughs> outlets would have like a better grasp on responsible journalism, but right. no. No. <laughs> well, so I was thinking about this. Isn't it like it, because of Trump's administration and how sloppy they are? It's like our some of our news organizations are becoming sloppy too because you they'll hear they'll they'll hear some story about Trump and they'll say, "Sure, that sounds plausible. Yeah. Let's run it." You know, like exactly. without nah, actually y'all. broadcast news has been sloppy for That's true. a That's while. That's true. You're right. That's true. Like, Like, the advent of the 24-hour news cycle means that journalism just got sloppy because it's like, we need something to fill in time. Right, right, right. Uh, Yes, it's... uh, We need to be first. But once we start getting into... We need to make that ad revenue. Diplomatic issues and geopolitical issues and uh, verging on World War III, it gets scary. Like, sloppy journalism can cause some major fear. So we got to be really careful about that stuff. And that's unfortunately what we got. And a lot of people are confused. They're like, what is actually happening with North Korea? Um, The the fact that people were thinking that's true shows like that it was even plausible in the first place right. for it to happen. Right. And that's uh, because of Trump. Um, th- that's yeah. alarm. Yes. It, it, it's just alarming to have someone in power who is in charge of this stuff. Um, but anyways, uh, after all this happened, a lot of experts have weighed in and there is some alarming stuff. People are saying, you know, these experts are saying North Korea is actually a lot farther ahead than they used to be. Um, they used to be like a joke, like there's no way that they'll ever reach, like get a ballistic missile that is intercontinental that could reach the U.S. But now people are saying, actually, they're getting really close. Um, they, uh, you know, when you really think about it, all they have to do is reach 1950s level science to create a, a hydrogen bomb that is powerful enough. Uh, and that's that's scary stuff. Uh, so the Trump administration sent uh, our great, great vice president, Mike Pence, over to the DMZ, where he had this great line, which is that um, the administration is going to abandon the failed policy of strategic patience. Um, that is kind of scary. That is, uh, I don't, I mean, Olivia, how do you feel about that line? I mean, that is some pretty, how? that's a change. That's a change. <laughs> How is that a <laughs> failed policy? I just don't understand how it's a failed policy because World War Three, a hasn't nuclear fallout, happened hasn't yet. happened yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. It's like like we're all still alive, <laughs> yes. and we don't have like yes radiation poisoning yes. and like weird mutations. Like there are no X Men, no. so I'm just <laughs> no. very confused on how it's a failed. Yeah policy well it, i don't know stan I, what do you think yeah stan what it's is, irresponsible for him to say that yeah well so yeah. some people say that's irresponsible and then some people were like he had to say something like that because he needed to, to assure our allies in the region mm-hmm. uh, particularly south korea and japan uh which uh, I, even then i'm like does that really assure anybody because that's almost saying we were going <laughs> to attack them which would that's an instigation that's not like assurance (laughs) i know i'm like if anything that wouldn't shouldn't assure anybody so uh, a lot of people are split and also it brings up this whole topic of you know when whenever our president it doesn't matter if it's trump or anybody whenever there's talks of war and the idea of being presidential and uniting behind our president like when trump sent his attacks to syria a lot of people rallied behind him, including the, a lot of news organizations. And that's just, I don't know, that's a, 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 something I'm very conflicted about. And 
I'm kind of scared for because we have a madman who is uh, going to verse another madman. It's like we have too many madmen in charge of us right now. (laughs) Um, Anyways, uh, the other sort of not minor thing, actually pretty major thing is the uh, uh, China. China, of course, is a key player in this. The U.S. keeps saying that China is the key. Uh, The Trump administration has finally come out and said, actually, it's more complicated than we thought. We can't just tell China to muzzle their little dog, which is the rhetoric that Trump had been spewing during his campaign trail. Now it's come out, it's come to light that it's much more complicated. China doesn't necessarily want to shut down North Korea and watch them fail because that would cause a huge refugee crisis. And also it would mean a unified peninsula with U.S. influence literally right next door Mm -hmm. to China. Um, Wow. The North Korea situation is more complicated than the (laughs) Trump administration thought. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> Healthcare uh, is more complicated yes. than originally We're, thought. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I love that we're laughing. Military intervention like, is more complicated than we originally thought, you guys. <laughs> we're laughing, but it's also horrifying. I, I was I was online and there were some memes. It was like, so there's been this like a lot of 17-year-olds and like young men, 18-year-old men have been posting these memes where they're like laughing hard at the North Korea situation, but then realizing that we are young men who could be drafted into world war three. So they like make a sad face and it's like, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Okay. Moving on. Um, that's scary. (laughs) That's sad, but we're moving on. Uh, there is, well, so that's, this is one of those things where we really can't do anything. We don't have like, we can't like, we're just sitting here watching and across like watching like power leaders just like, (laughs) battle out while we're like just like and we're like uh please don't cause world war three thanks okay cool it's a game (laughs) of nuclear chess you guys Mm. it's like game of thrones (laughs) i'm i'm afraid i'm afraid we're gonna start having nuclear drills again in schools like that's i'm glad that i we didn't grow up in that generation and it's sad that we may have to start doing it again also Um, like what are they gonna what are they gonna say like get under your desks even though you know even How is that going to help you? We don't want to do anything. <laughs> um, okay, moving on to another depressing story. Um, this was huge. Uh, 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 it broke earlier this week. It actually broke late last week on Easter Sunday. Um, of course, I'm talking about the Facebook Live murder, uh, which uh, was a sort of uh, viral story that just had the whole country captivated for a few days. Um, and I just sort of want to get into some of the the deeper things behind this. Um, so the basic details of the story, of course, a Cleveland man, Steve Stevens, what a name, Steve Stevens. Uh, he committed a random act of murder on Easter Sunday. He killed a 74-year-old man named Robert Goodwin. Um, he was a grandfather. Um, it, it, very tragic, just horrible. And immediately after he got on Facebook Live, um, and he confessed his murder and it was so the video he uploaded of the murder was technically not on Facebook Live, even though everyone thought it was. But his confession was. And after the confession, the murder, by the way, took less than a minute. It took 57 seconds. And after the confession, it took more than an hour for anyone to, to report say anything, yeah. to say anything or report or call 911. It's like, oh. Uh, 
like an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's just it's a such a tragic story. Uh, there was a manhunt uh, just yesterday. I think Stevens was found in Pennsylvania. He killed himself. Um, tragic and tra- I mean, just tragic story overall. It's just horrible. Um, but a lot of people were talking about, you know, what is Facebook's response? So we keep talking about Facebook in the news because Facebook's becoming a huge player in society in general, in news in general. And then there's mm-hmm. talks of Mark Zuckerberg potentially wanting to run for president. Like they're a big deal <laughs> yeah. in our society and especially American society. Um, and what is Facebook's responsibility as a platform when it comes to things like this? Cause this is not the first time that a murder has happened on Facebook live. Um, I don't know. It's a very complicated question. So before we get into deeper questions on it, just your initial reaction to all this, Stanley. I just think it's sad that Facebook has to take on responsibility because people are just dumb right. in the first place. Like, right. like the fake news stuff. Like how 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 do you make people not dumb? smart? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like can tell like to spot fake news and now like, right. like murders, like obviously yeah. they weren't planning that right. to happen when they created Facebook Live or Right. Right. Olivia. Yeah. Olivia. I just think it's a really kind of interesting point in the evolution of technology mm-hmm. um, and kind of the way we use social platforms um, and the different ways that we use social platforms. Because I know I use social platforms to like share articles and travel pictures, but like there are people who divulge their entire lives onto these social platforms. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But, yeah, it's just what role does social media play in our lives and, like, just kind of the thought process behind how could someone conceivably think that uploading, like, traumatizing video of someone getting killed Mm -hmm. and then doing a Facebook Live confession, like, that happening is just so kind of surreal to me and then on top of that you add the fact that it took over an hour for anyone Mm -hmm. to call the authorities um like how how is that even possible because that facebook live stream was you know a lot of people were watching it so how did it take an hour for someone in Cleveland or wherever to call the authorities about this Facebook live video. It's, it, it blows my mind that they were a day late to do a manhunt at during something that was like so immediate. Mm -hmm. And also how does this like, I'm worried about the way that Facebook live content will be kind of, um, I guess, restricted or censored or kind of policed. Because Facebook Live has a lot of potential in kind of protest movements, and Mm -hmm. we've already seen what video cameras can do with court cases and Mm -hmm. with police brutality and acts of violence. And so I feel like Facebook Live has a really important kind of place there, and I'm just worried about what restrictions will be placed on it because of this one event. And should there be restrictions? Should there not? Like, it's just such a 
complicated question. Yeah, right. It's very ne- it's nebulous. Territory. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Exactly. There's so much good that can be done, but then there's also this. Right. So, and, and I've heard uh, sort of the two biggest side. There, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of nuanced takes you can take on this issue, but the two sort of opposing sides I've seen reading up on this are: you have the people who say this is why Facebook Live should just be removed altogether because it is a reflection of humanity. Wired had a whole story on it and how Facebook, like Facebook's one of their biggest goals is to reflect humanity. And unfortunately reflecting humanity means we'll get murders literally filmed live. Like that is something that will happen because humans are terrible. Like we are terrible. Yes. And then there's the other camp who says, you know, yes, we are terrible, but Facebook should have a, better AI, a better, like a Facebook AI that when someone uploads something, the AI can recognize this is wrong. This isn't good. This needs to be reported because you can't trust people. Um, and I don't know, because that also leads into issues of privacy and control and how much influence should Facebook even have? Yeah. uh, Does that AI even exist? Right. Like it's, I mean, we have AI that can recognize what's in a photo, but do we even have that next level AI that can recognize when something wrong is happening? And can they do like, can they tell the difference between a movie and something real? I don't know. Yeah, And then you get into like the ethics of it. Right. I don't know. It's, it's just sad. And you know, it's sad that something like this has to happen for us to actually sit down and say, okay, we should think about this. How should we handle this? Um, And I'm sure the Facebook people are debating right now. They're like trying to figure out how exactly to do this. Um, I wasn't even aware of this video, like this thing that was happening until I read it today. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was totally unaware. Oh, so my phone is funny because I, so uh, I accidentally signed up for stupid Apple news or whatever. When you click the link or whatever, it's like opens the app and I've been too lazy to unsub from the notifications. So whenever this happened, I kept getting like notifications like, oh, this happened there. It's a manhunt. Oh, he's dead. And I was like, so that's how I sort of kept up with it. Uh, but it's been on Twitter, like it's been this huge viral thing and now we need to address it. Well, Facebook needs to address it, but us as a society also needs to, uh, I don't know, think of the place we're in now and we allowed this to happen Mm -hmm. and we didn't do anything about it. We literally did nothing about it for an hour and 30 minutes. That's outrageous. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really have anything else to say about it. That's just... Uh, a, a very fascinating and horrible story that I think we uh, we needed to talk about. And I'm sure it's going to keep coming up and yeah. Facebook is going to be a bigger, bigger and bigger part in our lives. So we need to figure this stuff out. Um, okay. On to some uh, slightly <laughs> better news, <laughs> things that we can sort of be happy about. Um, there are two sort of bigger things that just happened uh, today, actually. And I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to save the best for last. Okay. So, First up, Jason Shavitz, uh, our wonderful friend. iPhone guy. iPhone guy, <laughs> our um, the, <laughs> the Utah representative who is the head of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, who uh, pretty much is in charge of making sure Donald Trump is doing his job and is not corrupt and is, you know, playing by the book. That man who said he could not face his daughters or look his daughters in the eye if he supported Donald Trump and then ended up supporting Donald Trump. That same man. Uh, oh, my God. He's just a wonderful character. Uh, he has announced that he will not run for re-election in 2018. This is pretty big chunk of news. Um, 
a lot of conspiracy theories happening right now, and I'm sure we can discuss some of them. Um, but what are y'all like? You hear this news, and you've heard about this guy for like the last few months. You hear this news. What is your reaction? Lithia. <laughs> yeah, Lithia. <laughs> um, I think he's gonna run for governor. <laughs> oh, like, okay. Um, he says he's returning to private life, but he didn't say he was returning to the private sector, just private life. Mm, um, which makes me think that there's going to be a book and he's going to run for governor. Like, oh yeah, you just depressed me. I know. I know. (laughs) Like part of me is so like, is very happy that he's not running for reelection in 2018, mostly because Mm -hmm. I think he has the foresight to see that like, Especially with all of the, ta- I don't know if you guys have seen videos of him going to his town halls and just been Protesting. being oh, yeah. greeted by yes. like protesters. Yes. Um, but I think he kind of sees that he's not in a good place. So I mm-hmm. think he's going to take some time, write a book, curry some favor, run for governor, because that's like a next natural step for politicians who crave the presidency, um, well, which I definitely think he does oh he would never win like he would never win oh god um we said that, I mean, we said that yeah, about that trump true. too like <laughs> that's true that's true but donald trump had star power like we're not gonna deny yeah. that this guy has yeah, none. yeah. <laughs> i mean um, the one thing what i really hope is that pe- the people in utah don't let up on Shafitz just because he's going to stop campaigning or stop town halls or stop all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I hope that whenever there's a public event with him or whenever they, that they just remember that this guy is kind of a shit stain. Um, like I just hope that people keep that memory alive and remember to vote because liberals are really bad at voting. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, we are because of, you know, whatever superiority complexes we hold. Um, <laughs> So I think that, yeah, I hope people just kind of remember that this guy is a total shit stain who Does, doesn't have a spine. And no, not at all. Not at all. They can remember to make sure that he doesn't get elected again. Does, does this make That's the best hopeful. case scenario. Does it make you all hopeful that some things may change in Washington now that he is not in charge of the oversight committee? Or I mean, someone just as bad or worse is going to become in charge uh, of the oversight committee. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm happy that he's gone. That it, Well, he's not gone yet, but that he won't run. Yeah. Just because, yeah. like you said, he's such a fucking shit stain. He's just a fucking horrible human being after all the things he said and done. Yeah. But I'm I mean, we'll semi- see how 2018 shakes out, I guess. Right. Yeah. I'm semi decently hopeful that, you know, it, say the Democrats come into power and 2018 it wouldn't have even mattered because they would have had someone else in charge and uh that'd be great but i'm semi-hopeful that even if a republican takes uh well a republican may or may not take his spot in the oversight committee i'm hopeful that it's someone with at least half a backbone a quarter of a backbone you know there the trump like there's not a lot of people loyal to trump so hopefully they get someone who is not as loyal and we'll see what happens i don't know any final thoughts, Stanley? I do not know him that well. And it's okay. I'm just happy. You're that, just happy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's all I can say. <laughs> the best for last. I'm so happy about this. The news broke today. 
Fox News has fired Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Horrible, horrible Ding man. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Witch, <laughs> witch. The wicked old witch. <laughs> yes, Bill O'Reilly, horrible Bill O'Reilly has been fired. It is, um, it's been a long time coming. He's been a horrible man for a long time. There's, I mean, there's been video leaks of him treating his staff like shit. I mean, there's been reports. People have talked about it. Nothing. Like, I mean, he's, he's settled multiple sexual assault multiple cases. Multiple sexual harassment cases for $13 I think like a, million. With a total of like $13 million. Yes. Like something like. A lot. That is an outrageous number. $13 million. More than his salary. Just be, And Fox protected him because he was such a, a draw. Yeah. Like his ratings, like destroyed all the other news or like news anchors. He combined. had the biggest, yeah, he had the biggest show in cable news. Like, I mean, just the biggest fucking show. And, um, you know, the, what really did like, what really did him in was not the sexual harassment cases. It was that the advertisers were pulling from his show mm. and Fox news felt the pressure. And, you know, uh, unfortunately a side effect of all the bad things that have happened lately, we need these corporations to fight or fight sometimes. And they fought our fight and they pulled their ads. And now Bill O'Reilly is fired. Mm-hmm. Great. I don't know. Great I news. disagree with that. Fox news did not fight or fight. Fox news fought their fight. Because they were like, ah, shit, we're losing money. We gotta, we gotta. No, do no, no. Something. I wasn't saying Fox News. It was Fox News. I was saying the advertisers. Yeah. It was the advertisers. Oh, okay. It was the advertisers yeah. who were like, no, 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 no. We don't. Not that they were technically fighting or fight. They were just like, uh, yeah. Because advertisers are in a particular position because you know, sure, you know, liberals and Republicans may watch different television sh- programs, different cable news programs, but they all buy the same stuff. We all buy Coke. We all buy uh, the same cars. We all buy Toyotas, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So they have to be able to curtail to everybody. So when you have like a small minority of conservatives watching this one show and they're going to hurt their brand because everyone else doesn't want to buy their crap, they're not going to go for it. And that's what ended up getting Bill O'Reilly fired. Thank the Lord. Um, good. Yep. Good. Good. Yes. I don't have anything else to say. I'm just happy it's about wonderful. it. Yeah. I'm just happy about it. <laughs> uh, he's just a horrible, horrible human being. I'm sure John Stewart right now has the biggest smile on his face. Like, <laughs> he's just the happiest man right now. Okay. Um, I had the most depressing thought just right now. Okay. Tell me. What if Trump hires him? Because we all oh. know his love affair with Bill O'Reilly. Mm. Oh, my God. He becomes the new Sean Spicer. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. No. Why did you say that? No. I needed someone to be miserable with me because that's like immediately where my head went. Like I am a true blue conspiracy theorist now. This is this is my life now. (laughs) You have your tinfoil hat on right now. (laughs) It's sitting here right beside me. Okay. Okay. I was afraid it was going to interfere with the microphone. So. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, Bill O'Reilly, good riddance, man. Like. I don't even hope you have a good life. I hope you have a miserable life. I'm going to be real with you. You've Mm. done so much damage to America and you will not be forgiven. You just will not. Uh, So I hope the same thing happens to him that happened to Johnny Depp where he's just like so out of his depth with money Mm -hmm. that like he just goes broke and everything is terrible for him. Mm. Just like all at once. God, I need this to happen. God, give me something. (laughs) Give me something, please. Make this happen. Um, 
And that has been our news segment. When we come back, we're going to talk some culture. We're going to talk some Kendrick, going to talk some trailers, going to talk some 13 Reasons Why. And then a little bit more of a heavy topic. We're going to talk about female genital mutilation slash circumcision. Okay, and we are back. Back. So, our next topic. Yes. I'm going to forewarn people listening. Uh, We are talking about genitalia. We're talking about sex. We're talking about the fact that sex exists. Mm -hmm. Um, We're talking about uh, biosex female anatomy. So, if that makes you uncomfortable, maybe uh, skip forward a little bit. (laughs) Yes. So... Uh, the first federal investigation for the practice of female genital mutilation or circumcision, um, so FGM or FGC, I'll be using FGC, um, is happening. Uh, Basically, um, a family from another state drove into Michigan, Mm -hmm. uh, and they took their two daughters, saying it was a special girls' trip. Age of seven. Um, Huh? Age of seven. They were seven-year-old. Age of seven, yes. That's so sad. Age of seven, um, and they drove them into Michigan to um, perform a FGC kind of ritual um, with a doctor in Michigan. Um, and they were part of a very um, small sect of Islam called Dawudi Boras. Um, and Katna is very, we, the term we use is called Katna. Um, so it's a very common um, thing. It's a very common uh, sort of rite of passage in that community. There's lots of kind of conflicting, um, conflicting reasons people give as to why they do it. Some say that it's a rite of passage for a Muslim woman, like you can't be truly a Muslim until you do this. Um, some say that it curbs kind of um, sexuality so that mm-hmm. they're not too... They, you know, they don't grow up to be too loose. Um, and some say that it enhances sexual pleasure. Either way, um, this is something that happens to minors, uh, mm-hmm. usually around six to eight, um, mostly around the age of seven. Um, and I hate using this term, uh, but I guess I'm a survivor. Um, the sect that... Mm-hmm. Uh, that this doctor was a part of is the religious community I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it done to me when I was seven. Uh, so this story kind of hits, ri- hits home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been, getting, it's been gaining a lot of uh, kind of traction in the news. Um, I think it was a year or two ago, there were three people found guilty that are serving jail time right now mm-hmm. um, in Australia. Uh, and lots of people have started speaking out about it. Um, a while back, This American Life had a story on it. Uh, mm-hmm. there, I is, it. there was a woman named Maria Karimji who went on, um, and I've spoken to her as well. So, yeah, uh, lots of people have been speaking out on it. Um, there's an organization, if you wanted more information on it, called um, Seiyo, so that's S A H I Y O. Um, 
and they are an organization working to stop FGC in the Daudibora community specifically, if you wanted to check that out. But yeah, um, I felt that this story was important to talk about as mm -hmm. someone who's been through the process. Right. Um, and I've never really been public about it, uh, at least that much. I've told friends and family here and there, but, mm -hmm. um, and I've argued for it in you know, smaller groups and smaller circles are, well, argued against it, but right, right. yeah, I thought it was kind of important to talk about publicly and just like let people know that, yeah, it happens and it happens in the States and it happens even when the doctors are educated and born and raised here mm -hmm. and all of that. Right. So. Right. No, uh, Olivia, I mean, thank you so much for bringing a light to this. This is just terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was doing some research into it, and it, I, I've heard the America, uh, this American Life story. I've heard about it, but you know, I, I mean, it's I'm not an expert. I don't know much about it, and I've, you know, um, not done as much research as I think I should have. And I, you know, I was reading on it today, and one of the key things that keeps popping up is that there's really no rhyme or reason and that it crosses religious lines, it crosses communities, it crosses it cultures around the world. It just yeah. happens everywhere. Um, and that's, you know, and that it's happening literally in our backyard. It's, it's alarming. It's, it's horrifying really. Yeah. And so when, yeah. when, when you first sent us like the articles just to mm -hmm. give us a basic overview about what right. this is, I was totally unaware that this existed at mm -hmm. all like i wasn't like that never crossed my mind that there was like this was happening mm -hmm. in the world right. so when you were like when you said fgc or fggm it's like what does that mean and then mm -hmm. once you said it i was like what like it was like a shock to me because i was like i never thought that would happen that this was something that was yeah. actually occurring yeah right. and then when i was reading more into it, it's like more like just like i i just didn't know how to what to think or like, because I was totally un unprepared for all of that. So, right. But thank right. you for, like Edgar said, bringing it into light mm -hmm. and well, educating. It, so, and, and you know, and I guess my, my only question for you, Olivia, is how do you feel now that we have our first federal case in the United States? Um, I don't know. It's a, I, yeah. I mean, it's so strange just because a lot of, the conversations that happen about this are kind of in smaller circles, in private. Um, I know a lot of Bori women who just kind of share articles um, as a mm -hmm. way of, or at least I used to do this, um, where I share an article as a way of being like, it's just news. I'm, I don't have a, you know, like, right. like while sharing the article is kind of hinting at the opinion I have on it, mm -hmm. um, I'm not outrightly saying like I am against this this is wrong there's no rhyme or reason for it um and so it was mostly just like having those conversations which were really valuable um and if you don't feel safe talking about it I don't think that you should but having those conversations in private and volunteering where it could just didn't really feel like enough um especially when I would talk about it before with other people if they were looking to publish it or if they were looking to do anything with it, I would be very careful to be like, hey, I want my name omitted. But as mm -hmm. time goes on, I feel less and less like the reasons that I had personally 
for not being public about it, they held less weight. Like it was mostly for my safety, for fear of excommunication, for fear mm. of all of these things. But right. I think it's as important as it is to have kind of conversations within your circles. It's also really important for people to be willing to outright say that this happened to them and that they're against it. Um, and just do some more research. Uh, a lot of people, I think, jump to a this defining, you know, all Muslims or even all Boris, and that's factually inaccurate. Um, over 80% of the community uh, disapproves of the practice now. Um, but the problem is people aren't talking about it. People aren't talking about the fact that they're, like, not doing this anymore mm-hmm. um, or that they're choosing not to do this. Um, and I think it's really important that a lot of people don't think that this is, you know, super violent or super brutal, which is why I prefer to use the term FGC, um, because mm-hmm. Boris practiced type one of FGC, which is basically, um, removing partial or a whole portion of the clitoral hood or prepuce. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of hard to dance around, especially when you're in the community. Um, and the community has issued statements where it's like, follow the law of the land to cover their, you know, their to like cover themselves. But mm-hmm. in private, like other things are said. And so I think there is a lot of like conflicting messages, even within the community. Um, and yeah, like you guys said, it crosses lines culturally, religiously, um, uh, FGC is a pre-Islamic practice. Um, and yeah. Well, Olivia, I know you hate using the word survivor, um, but, and I'm not saying that you are, but thank you. Just thank you for sharing yeah. your story. It's a, it, it, it's an important conversation that you're right. We need to be having out in the open and we need to, uh, shine a light on it in a way that we, ha- we just aren't doing uh, so we are going to provide some resources on our social media. Um, Alifia sent us some that uh, I, were so informative. Um, so we will provide that for for everyone. And yeah. this is a conversation we need to be having. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, and well, I'll try to keep us updated on the story too. Um, some yeah, details. Absolutely. Uh, this was a Michigan doctor. Um, she was, you know, born and raised in the states. Um, she was denied bail because she tried to fly to uh, Nairobi a few days prior um, before getting arrested, so they thought she was a flight risk. Um, I will say this. There was a religious event happening in Nairobi at the time. Uh, my dad went. So, um, yeah, that she, like, she wasn't trying, I guess, to... Right. I don't know what she was trying to flee. do. But she wasn't she trying was, to flee. She was more likely than not trying to go to that religious event. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's basically her lawyer's arguments are kind of reprehensible. Um, nope. Basically, their argument was that the girls just scratched themselves mm-hmm. and that they ju- that she just wiped mucus from the area. Um, and that's not what happens. No. Just, just letting you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah... We'll definitely link to some resources because if you've gone, I know a lot of people who um, basically 
this happens when you're really young, so you kind of forget about it or push it out of your mind. It's not that you don't have the memory. It's just you stop thinking about it, and then suddenly they get into a, cla- a cultural anthropology class or they get into a human sexuality class or an anatomy class, and then they start learning about it, and they're like, oh, right. whoa. Okay. So uh, we'll link to some more resources because I know that can, this can be like potentially triggering, which is why we... Um, we gave the warning earlier, but mm-hmm. yeah, we'll link to some resources. We'll make sure to have our proper warnings on there. And we'll, I mean, I'm definitely going to stay updated in the story because I'm personally invested, mm-hmm. but we'll keep you guys updated as it goes. We will. Okay. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about some of the big cultural moments uh, in the past week. Okay, and we are back. Let's get right into it. Probably the biggest cultural moment of the last few days, really. Kendrick Lamar uh, has dropped his fourth studio album. Damn. Damn Damn is the name of it. Damn. (laughs) Yes. Um, So we're going to do just a sort of brief review. We're not going to get too crazy deep into it because we're not a music review podcast. But But you know what it is? Well, yeah, my other... (laughs) I do have an in-depth review of this this album on my (laughs) other podcast, Craft. Uh, uh, So you can check that out if you are into hip-hop and want to know a little bit more, a little more nuanced take on it. But we felt that this was such an important sort of cultural moment that we had to talk about it i even forced stanley to listen to the some of the songs i was like we have to I actually have to do research on <laughs> yes <laughs> we actually have to do research and get into this um but uh, actually before i get into the album uh, a new music video dropped mm-hmm. dna for the track dna off the album damn um i want to just briefly talk about this music video uh olivia i assume you've seen it have you seen it i have stanley have you seen it yeah okay what are y'all thoughts? <laughs> this is, I mean, because we got humble and that was like such a shock and such a like mm. a revelation. And then we got this, which is also a, a sort of different kind of. It's more held back, like stylistically. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. It's yeah. interesting. I don't know what to say about it. Yeah. Well, Don Cheadle. <laughs> Don Cheadle isn't it. So like, Don, Don Cheadle. Cheadle. <laughs> yes, Don Cheadle. Uh, who, by the way, I didn't even make this connection. Don Cheadle played a character in I think it was Rush Hour two or one yes where, or one of them and he played a character named Kenny and uh, Kendrick of course have taken the new uh, monkeyer of Kung Fu Kenny he's taken that nickname so I didn't even connect the dots I'm like oh that's why they asked Don Cheadle to come in because Kendrick is and Kendrick is dressed as dressed him. as him or as, in a Kung Fu the, outfit yeah, yeah. Um, no the video is wild I mean you start off with this interrogation. Uh, between Don Cheadle and um, Kendrick, and then they start sharing bars from the song. And it's sort of like a debate slash interrogation that's happening. And Kendrick, of course, because he's the Kung Fu master, gets the upper hand and manages to escape. And then it becomes a, a, a different video, really, with glimpses of maybe a third video coming. I don't know what's going on. There's a lot of cuts and a lot of a lot of things happening. Um, but, it, it, you know... It, 
stylistically, this is completely different than Humble, mm-hmm. but it's um, also, I don't know, taking inspiration from a lot of uh, kung fu films, Asian films, uh, um, cop films. I don't know. There's a lot going on. Olivia, what are your thoughts on this video? Uh, yeah, so um, I've been reading a lot of opinions um, that... Uh, Black Femmes have written about kind of Kendrick, his work, um, what's going on with the album, uh, Mm -hmm. his kind of persona in general, and it's been really enlightening. And so my opinion has definitely been influenced by that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is, I was telling Edgar, uh, Peppa Butterfly was an Obama era album Mm -hmm. and (laughs) Damn is definitely a Trump era album. Yes, absolutely. Um, There's you know, that kind of glimmer is gone a little bit. Um, but as far as the DNA video goes, I know that a lot of people had problems with it, especially from the appropriation front. Um, mm-hmm. Like there was the random Chinese characters that didn't need to be there. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, Kendrick in what resembles a kapow, but I'm not entirely sure, mm-hmm. um, which is a little bit, like, why does he need to be in that outfit? Um, and a lot of people kind of making comparisons to different eras of hip hop where that was, you know, kind of taking Asian aesthetics and making them an integral part of the, of their kind of. Right. Um, Wu-Tang Clan themes. comes to yeah. mind. Things like that. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. Um, so it's, you know, it's interesting, especially um, after Humble, reading a lot of articles written by black femmes being like, we don't need you to tell us that these things are okay. K thanks. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. who the fuck? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> who asked right. you? So I would definitely encourage, um, reading some of the more like critical stuff that people have had to say about Kendrick, especially if it's an article written by a black femme. Um, that's the perspective here that I kind of, uh, I'm giving the most value to. Um, So I definitely encourage anyone who's listening to Kendrick and anyone who's listening to the album to go read um, some kind of reviews and perspectives from Black Femmes about the album because they've just been, like, across the board, really just... It just gives you a new take on what you're hearing from a perspective that's not your own. Absolutely. A more nuanced take. Well, and Kendrick... Yeah, definitely a more nuanced take. It is a good album, though. Just musically, it's a good... It's it's a good album. So we... we, uh, Olivia and I were actually talking about this earlier, how Kendrick has, especially after To Pimp a Butterfly, had this aura of being untouchable. This, like, you couldn't really criticize him or the message or his music in general, even though Kendrick falls for a lot of the same... Uh, I wouldn't call them traps, but a lot of the same things that uh, a lot of hip hop artists do and uh, some of the themes and things that happen in music. And Kendrick himself has been sort of, um, you know, uh, I listen to this podcast called The Read and they love Kendrick and they support Kendrick. But they also make sure to mention that when like Kendrick is very much focused on the sort of cisgender black uh, male experience and, um, you know, isn't necessarily concerned with other details about the black experience because he is fighting for something so thoroughly and so uniquely and so focused that those other things sort of get lost. 
Obviously, I'm not an expert in this. I can't really talk too deeply into that. But uh, Kendrick has had that aura of untouchability. But um, he mentions that. He actually talks about that in this album. And he talks about the savior complex and how he doesn't necessarily embrace it. But yeah, let's do a brief sort of review of the actual album now. <laughs> we'll actually get into the album. Um Oops. What also, are, can we talk about how many Big Sean shots there were? There are a lot. There are a lot of Big Sean shots. Like, the point of the album um, where he goes, I don't give a fuck. I don't give I was like, oh, shit. So, um, <laughs> oh, shit. What are some initial reactions uh, just to the album in general, the music, the lyrics, whatever? Uh, Stanley, I picked out three tracks that I thought you should listen to <laughs> yeah. just for the lyrics. Uh, and, and, well, one of them just because it had Rihanna on it and it was yeah. sort of like... One of the more approachable, accessible, accessible, <laughs> accessible tracks on uh, the album. Um, so, Stanley, what are sort of your first initial thoughts? Um, I like the story and Duckworth. Uh-huh. That yeah. was like I was reading the lyrics while listening to the song mm-hmm. and the towards the reveal of the end. I was uh-huh. like, Poof. you're like, whoa. whoa. Yes. It's yes. like, is this it, a true story? Yes. And we're going to talk about that. Kendrick's like a masterful storyteller yeah. in his music. Um so that was, I like that one. Yeah, that's and cool. loyalty's cool. Yes, yeah. I, I think I need to listen to it a few more times. Mm-hmm. But well, it's always interesting to hear Rihanna rap. Like, have Rihanna have her own verse. It's yeah. like because usually whenever Rihanna's in a rap song, she's like designated as the person who sings the chorus or right. the hook. But here, she's actually part of the song, and she has mm-hmm. her own. Ver- she has like a verse and a half. Actually, she has two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. Um, and then the song, I made you listen to the song XXX. I don't know if you yeah. heard it. Uh, the U2 yeah. feature song. Right. Um, and that has another sort of interesting story. And, and there's a lot of sounds and a lot of things going on there. How did you feel about that track? Um, I need to listen to it one more time. But Okay. I, yeah. Did it frighten you? Did it? Because that's like, it's a it's an intense sounding track. No. I have nothing to say. <laughs> like, okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's I, fair. I, I was taking like so much. Well, and that's part. That's whenever you talk about Kendrick, is you like you're taking so much in. Yeah. It's hard to like like where to start. Where to start? <laughs> exactly. uh, Olivia, your initial reaction to the album. Um. So Kendrick is obviously a lyrical master. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't think that anyone can deny that at this point. Um. And we were talking earlier how like he's really kind of claiming the greatest of all time status at this point he's just like it's my like the throne is mine i'm taking it um right right. like that's basically all of what humble was about right right Right? um well partially yeah i thought i thought you know duckworth really had like this beauty to it and the way that it told the story i was you know like hooked from the very beginning and just kind of like waiting to see where it went. Mm-hmm. Um, XXX, like the fact that he had you two on the album. I like when I, <laughs> when I heard that they were going to be a feature, I was like, what? Yeah. Everyone was like, uh, excuse me. This That's be good. so <laughs> <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> and like, it kind of, I don't know if it like completely worked for me, but it like kind of worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, loyalty was great. I love Rihanna. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my sort of initial, and I talk about this on the other podcast, but my initial reaction to it was, um, I was very surprised and I already knew that Kendrick sort of reinvents himself with every album. But for this, it was like, this was not necessarily what I was expecting. And what we get here is a Kendrick who is very, um, unforgiving, who, uh, who talks a lot. I feel like. 
talks a lot yeah, about, yeah. Uh, 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 you know, there's a lot of God in this album, but not in the way that Chance the Rapper or Kanye West talk about God. They talk about sort of like the New Testament God, who's very uh, uh, forgiving and graceful. Here we're talking about fire and brimstone God, you know, like Old Testament God who is punishing you. And that is a huge theme in this album, punishment and why are we suffering? And he mentions the book of uh, Deuteronomy, which is the story of uh, the suffering Israelites. And he compares himself to um, he. Well, and there's a line in a song later on called Fear, where his cousin Carl leaves this voicemail and he talks about how uh, black people, Hispanic people and Native Americans are suffering um, and they're suffering because they have strayed away from God. I don't necessarily agree with that. Kendrick doesn't say he agrees with it, but he leaves it on the table and he talks about the suffering that he's going through, that black people are going through, that Hispanic people are going through, that Native Americans are going through in America. Um, and, and that's just what this album is. It's about suffering. So when I was listening to it, I was telling uh, my friend Philip, I was like, I feel a little reprimanded listening to this, like a little bit, like I feel, you know, uh, a little shamed. Um, but let's get into, before we move on, because we've spent a lot of time on this album now, uh, Duckworth and that story. Yeah. Um, this story is just so fascinating. We have uh, Kendrick Lamar telling the story of his father, Ducky, and um, his uh, mentor and also boss, really, Anthony, uh, top dog Anthony, um, who was a gangbanger back when uh, Kendrick was growing up. And he would uh, visit this KFC where Ducky worked. Mm -hmm. And Ducky got in good with this gangbanger. He would give him extra biscuits, give him extra stuff. And uh, whenever there was a robbery, there was a chance where... Uh, Top Dog could have killed Ducky. Mm -hmm. And that's where uh, the poetic coincidence happens, where years later on, um, Top Dog would end up working with Kendrick to form TDE, uh, which is, you know, created uh, one of the biggest music labels in the industry right now. And also Kendrick Lamar, like the actual rapper Kendrick Lamar. Um, I don't know. It's a is very poetic. Crazy? Yeah, it's a it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's a crazy poetic story. And he even says, like, I'm, a, you know, it's a coincidence. Like the yeah. greatest rapper alive is a product of coincidence. Yeah. I don't know. How do you all feel about this story? Number one, do you think it's real? I don't know. I, I think it's, I, obviously, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Some people are debating it. I'm not entirely he says sure. It's real. I think it is. <laughs> I think it is. I don't know. Olivia, how do you feel about this story? It's it's like. It's crazy. It's like, if this is true, this is a crazy story in music history. Like, it, yeah. it, it's amazing, actually. And he's saving it I for guess. his third album. Was this his fourth? This is his fourth yeah. album. And he saved it for yeah. so long, right? Like, yeah. why didn't he tell us this story earlier? This, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, like, the album overall is like a harsher but more subdued album, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and this story, like... I want to believe is real because most of the time, like reality is stranger than fiction. You just have some embellishments. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, Cause this is, it's a lot of things that just like line up really perfectly with each other, mm -hmm. but sometimes life is like that. Right. Right. Um, it's almost too surreal. Like you almost have to believe it. Like 
It's yeah. like yeah, yeah. It's stranger than fiction. Stranger than fiction. Stranger yeah. than fiction. Really. Exactly. Um, I guess it's also I don't know much of the history between Kendrick and Top Dog, but if it is if. I don't know what type of relationship they have right now, but it seems like a weird thing to put on an album. <laughs> well, Top Dog actually produced that track and he tweeted about that track. Uh, oh, which dang. A lot of people were like, there's a lot of fire and fuel happening here. Uh, they obviously, I mean, they love each other. They wouldn't be like, they need each other. And that's they yeah. became the product that is Kendrick Lamar. But uh, it's just a crazy wild story. And See, it's that, just, that just adds a whole nother level to I this, know. too. It just sums up the album. I feel like that track sums up the album so perfect, too. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, there's so much going on here. We're barely scratching the surface. Like, honestly, this is such a dense album, even though it sounds so minimal. Uh, but b- before we move on, actually, I-, I have one question for y'all. So while I was listening to this album, I was actually thinking of this old uh, Kanye interview that I had heard where he talks about hip hop artists and um, and how they're like archers. And when they like they know how to hit a bullseye because they've trained for so long for so many years. But now what they're doing is they're weighing the tip of an arrow with jazz with uh minimal with progression like different kinds of music and different like ideas and themes and they're weighing down this arrow and they have to arch back a little bit to let it go and see if they can hit that bullseye so my question to y'all just hearing this do you think kendrick did that do you think he hit his bullseye with this album olivia olivia (laughs) (laughs) um because he did. Because a lot of people argue he did with his last one, right? Like everyone said, the last one was that bullseye. But here, it's a yeah. completely different album, you know. Yeah, I mean, one would hope that when an artist puts out a record, that it's distinctive from all of the other ones. Um, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where like all of your albums sound the same and they sound like they could be a part of the same album. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Damn definitely accomplished that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you listen to Damn and you listen to, to Pippa Butterfly or and even in any of Kendrick's early stuff and you're like, yep, this is pretty distinctive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he accomplished that. Uh, to see if he hit the bullseye, man, I feel like that's such a, It'll I take like time such a hard know. question. I, I kind of have to like sit with the album a little bit more just because it's so different from, you know, like to Pippa Butterfly, which was kind of his meteoric rise, right? right. Like right. that right. was... It's so his masterpiece, big. right? Yes, yes. Yeah, um, and it was a masterpiece. It was a great album. So I think I think Damn needs a little bit more time to like marinate. I think it's one it. of those albums. Mm-hmm. I will say, whereas it, the more I listen to it, the more I like it. Like the more, yeah, like the more definitely. things I pick up, and the more I like it. I agree. It. Um, and all our friends seem to love it and like it. And I guess it's just you know it sort of hits you differently. I don't know. Yeah, like I'm definitely um, into it. I'm listen, totally into it. I'm going to say listen to it. And like Olivia said at the beginning of the review, really, uh, t- you know, make sure to look at it with a critical eye, though. Like, don't just take it as pure genius. Like, let's actually examine this and take it for what it is, which is a, a, at times a flawed piece of work. Um, okay. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> that was a long Damn. time on Kendrick. But we have <laughs> another fun discussion. I'm excited to get into this. Yeah. Um, so, Fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. Or Fast and Furious 8. Yes. Or Fast 8, as I call it. Just to <laughs> simplify everything. Fast 8. Fast 8. It's fast faster. Eight. <laughs> Which is it's really the goal here, right? Eight yeah. times faster. Uh, it was... I, I've seen it. Yeah. Stanley, you've seen it? last Friday. Uh, yeah. Kayla, uh, uh, Olivia, have you seen it? 
No. Okay. No worries. Not shaming you, but come on. Well, like <laughs> like I said previously, I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, true, so true, like, true, true. We still it's need to time for a marathon. Although friends. I did see the trailer, and like I was very intrigued by the clip of the Rock pushing the missile out of the way. Oh my I, god! Like that was oh the most. That was just the most like. That was the moment of the trailer where it was like, I have to see this movie I'm just, just like, to see that moment. I'm like offended that all my friends have not seen this movie. Yeah. I'm like, what are, are y'all doing? Are you guys not making the yes. mil- like half of like a billion dollars <laughs> revenue that yeah. the films made? Um, all right, like so I definitely, we, I feel like I definitely need to like watch. We're gonna have that movie. The other night, fast like, movies before yeah. I watch this one okay. because I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, there's definitely like they are relying heavily on this foundation. Yeah. Right now, I'm. So Saying it right now. Next time you're in Austin, Olivia, we are watching at yeah. least five or five. six, five or six, one of those. Five. Deal. five. We'll watch five. Okay, moving on. Uh, Stanley, hit us with some numbers because this oh. this movie had a huge. Uh, so, Fate of the Furious opened with the biggest like global box office weekend ever with $532 million. Damn, beating Star Wars. Yeah, beating Star Wars The Force oh. Awakens, which was which did 528. So mm-hmm. it's pretty close. All of and these are just like really incomprehensible numbers. Yeah. Like after what point does it all just become a blur? Exactly. <laughs> right. It's it made its budget back in this one weekend alone. Which is like amazing. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. And even though it opened in North America like slower. Yeah. Five like fifty million dollars lower mm-hmm. than from the pre- previous one. Because of yeah. Because of whatever reason. Yeah. Right? But probably due to Paul Walker's like last appearance mm-hmm. on film. Mm-hmm. But even besides that, like it made more, yeah, and it's a huge hit. <laughs> I mean, it's a, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I so I saw the movie. Uh, not, I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh, is it my favorite Fast movie? No, mm-hmm. but it was fun. It was so much fun. Like it is just a fun. I ride. wanted to do a spoiler. Review. Should we do no, a spoiler no. review? But, like, I don't want to spoil yeah, for Olivia, Olivia though, because yeah. <laughs> Olivia's gonna watch this. Yeah, Olivia, when you watch it, when eventually when you watch it, we will come back and do <laughs> just, a, just a, a spoiler review. Um, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, it a lot of things are happening here, and there's a lot of great cameos. Oh, and yeah. I'm sure the international market just ate that stuff up. Yeah. You know. Um, it is surprising that it opened significantly lower in North America. Maybe like the fast franchise is a little like tapering off in North America. But that's also Fierce. that's also a trend for big blockbusters, though. They tend to open lower in the States than they do in China. Like mm-hmm. that's been a trend that's been happening, right? right yeah. Right. And not that it had a low, but like a hundred million is still amazing. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Fear 7 was like a kind of a, a like a outlier because of Paul, Paul Walker's yeah. death. True, true, true. And that's like what propelled it to like make so much money. Like it made one point five billion dollars worldwide, which is like, yeah. All I will say, all I will say is that I am so happy that these movies continue to be successful because this is literally like your six year old playing with Hot Wheels dream come <laughs> to life as a movie. And I'm just glad that it's happening. And I'm glad that it's like a minority cast. Like it's a very yeah. diverse cast and, uh, it's and they ex- keep adding more people <laughs> and they keep adding more people. The family keeps on growing. Bigger, like yeah. It just keeps on growing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I did have some problems with this one. I feel like this one at times 
reached over to just bad. Like, you know how I say the movies are bad, but, but good? good? Yeah. This one was like, sometimes it just stayed at bad. Uh-huh. But a lot of the fun stuff, like, over, like, it just totally overshadowed it. Like, moving a fucking torpedo in the eyes, of course. That's like, just the tip of the iceberg. I know, that's not even a big thing. Literally the tip of the iceberg. You know, I'm kidding. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say literally, because they're on ice. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. it's I will say, uh, Stanley, did you feel like this was a, one of the more violent ones, too? A little bit. I felt yeah. like it was really like gruesome at times. I was like, "Whoa, yeah. that murder was There's one, intense." One, one death scene that was like, yeah, "You're like what?" Blood. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I well, so I think um, it, it's my third favorite of the series. Damn, behind five and six, which are like the, top yeah, two. Damn. Those are the best. Yeah, I mean, five and six are amazing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I wasn't like. Seven was decent. I didn't like love it, even though it's like oh, seven had me crying like a baby. Yeah, but like Paul. <laughs> yeah, like but for the movie itself, I'm like, uh-huh. eh, it yeah. was entertaining. But right. seven, I, I went in going with lower expectations because it was like I thought seven could have been like the last movie, right? Right. They're making eight, nine, and ten. Like oh my god, ten. <laughs> yes. I'm already calling it, y'all. They're going to space. They're going yeah. to space. It's a matter of time. Yeah. So when I was going into this, I was like having sequelitis like i'm just like can just end it when they're like on a high note already mm-hmm. but this one actually surprised like surpassed my expectations about like how entertaining it was mm-hmm. and like i didn't care for the story much but like what sold the movie was just like the, the um, characters yeah the characters and their interactions and um charlie steron was like easily the best villain in my opinion of the series she's one of the better ones yeah for sure and the cameos like it's not a spoiler if I ever mentioned one, right? Yeah, go for it. Go Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. Is in it. Oh, I already is knew in, she was in it. Yeah, like, yes. I already heard about her yes. cameo, so we're good. And she's like, she makes every second count of when she's in it. I mean, she fucking kills it. It's she's glorious. awesome. Yes. Like, yes. it's like, I want Meryl Streep to be like, yeah. I'm like, what other, like, world-renowned, Oscar-winning actors can we cram into yeah. the series? Because Charlie Sarah is a uh, Side note, did you, guys see, did you guys see Red, that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was great, because she was, like, just... Firing machine like bullets, like uh-huh. and with all these other old like actors like Morgan Freeman, and mm-hmm. I just she, Helen Mirren expressed like how much she wanted to be in the Fast and Furious movies, mm-hmm. and that's just like lovely to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just yes, I love that this is the this movie. respectable actress. Yeah, I know this is the movie like this is the movie that should have like this series should have ended long ago, yeah. but it just keeps on going and keeps <laughs> on getting better and better. I love it. Yeah. It's a great story. Like there's going to be a movie about the Fast and Furious movies, like and their global success because it shocked. I cannot everybody. wait to get a Fast and Furious documentary. Like. Yes. 20 years down the line. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait yo, for that to happen. Yeah, we're going to make it, right? Like Arrest- let's just let's just go ahead and say we're going to make that movie. <laughs> and and the action scenes are like crazy. There was mm-hmm. one in particular um where Charlie Sarin's character hacks all these driverless cars. Like what do you call them? Driverless cars? Yeah, no, she... Well, okay. You have, there's some leap of faith. Is this that you the have one with, like, the waterfall of cars? Yes. So that was yes. in the trailer, yes. too. Yeah, she it, can hack a toaster. Like, she can oh hack anything. God. Like, she can do whatever. It, she, yeah. it kind of, like, blew my mind when it, when I saw it, like, unfolding on screen. Like, the raining cars are, like... I, like my brain had a meltdown when I saw that. I'm like this is crazy. I, I wish love I would have seen it with you because I like your reaction. <laughs> that's like this is amazing. But like yeah, yeah, I yes. was just blown away by how like an action scene scene would still like impress me mm-hmm. by how inventive it was mm-hmm. because it's like completely ridiculous. But 
I was yeah. on board with it. No, no, no. I highly recommend it. Like, go watch. You're going to watch it. Just go watch it and yeah. have fun. Um, <laughs> yes. Our, uh, another. Furious. Yes. Yes. Ridiculous. Dumb. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. I, I, I'm surprised you liked it so much, though. Me too. Because I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't as hyped for it. Yeah. But because but maybe that's why. Maybe because I was. A yeah, more he hyped. went in with low expectations. Low expectations, yeah. true. Because true, true. the reviews were also like they were saying that it was like one of the lower mm. tier mm-hmm. movies yes. in the franchise. Yes, um, I would agree. I would agree. But I think it's, it's still fun. It's really still fun. strong. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, y'all, now y'all two have a, a review for us. Yeah, and so the second movie we're gonna, we're gonna talk about our review is called Your Name. And uh, I haven't seen it. A I Japanese seen it. movie, animated movie. My mm-hmm. heart. That was oh, released last yeah. year, but now finally coming out in the in U.S. The US. Mm-hmm. And it's directed by Makoto Shinkai. Am I pronouncing that right? I'm not we're, sure. We're, we're so sorry. Who also made Garden that. of Words, which is a really great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people were comparing him to the next Miyazaki. Ah, okay. Even though he himself says, why, why would you, I don't want to be, like, I'm not. <laughs> I want like, both. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay yeah. so tell me about this movie so i saw the trailer but pretend i didn't and you had to explain the plot of this movie what is it so basically it's a body switching movie that's like the surface level okay but there's more like there's twists okay but that's yeah there are definitely twists but yeah at the at the base of it it's a body switch movie where a girl out in the country and a guy in the, in city, the city and tokyo specifically um whenever they go to sleep they switch bodies, switch bodies next day. and they have to like live each other's lives um, so that, and pretend yeah. that they're each other. And they communicate by leaving messages for mm-hmm. each other in their phones so that the yeah. next time they wake up in their body, they can like see what happened to them. And so yeah. they work out a system while they're switching bodies. <laughs> wait, so wait, hold on. So they wake, so they go to sleep, they wake up as the other person. Yeah. They go to sleep, they wake up as themselves. Yeah. So it's uh, like yeah. a pattern. Ba- back of. and forth. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. That's awesome. I haven't really seen a body switch movie like that. Yeah. But then, like, that's even, like, just the base level. That's, then like, literally the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Like, the iceberg. We have so many icebergs this episode, yeah. y'all. There are just, just a lot of twists that, like... I wasn't I'm really expecting. glad I went into it knowing, like, a basic concept and I not knowing anything else beyond the basic concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... Because, like, oh my God, this movie is so good. And it's just like... Don't make you cry. Yes. Oh my God. So many... Like, I don't cry, movie, guys. Yeah. And I was so close to crying. Yeah. I, I don't cry about oh, anything. No. I like... No. The entire I don't second cry half of the movie anything. is basically like, pull, like tugging your heartstrings. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. I'm like, we can't get like into like details about why, but just the fact that it's like very emotional. Okay. I gotta see effective. this, y'all. And like, the, it's just, it's just like really great you know, like animation. slice of life, magical realism. The animation is amazing. Um, and like, I've, I've known about this director's work. I saw Garden of Words, which is like a really great story about this relationship between um, a kid in high school and this older woman. Um, and so what that director kind of specializes in is these moments of like photorealistic animation mm-hmm. um, where like you'll see me, you'll see something and it's like, oh, it's a video until you see like an animated hand or something in the corner and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa that's animated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, everything about it's amazing. It's visually really stunning. I think the characters are like really well-rounded. Yeah. I liked a lot of the voice acting. Apparently the dub is really good. 
Um, yeah. I haven't I seen the dub yet, so ah. I want to see the dub. Okay. But yeah. apparently the dub's amazing as well. Gotta check um, that out. But I hear they changed the music, so... Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see it with the dub as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's just beautiful, beautifully animated, beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there like there there's a lot of twists which I appreciate. Um, but if you're into like slice of life combined with magical realism, like it's great. Yeah, it's currently my favorite movie this year so far. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's so good. <laughs> I want to check it out. I mean, I saw the trailer and I was like, yeah, I would totally love this. Like, this seems like something I would love. Yeah. So I need to go check it out. No, um, you're going to watch it and you're going to be like, oh my, you're going to call me crying. Okay. Hold on. Olivia, have you seen Grave of the Fireflies? It reminded me of that. Damn. Okay. Oh. When I was watching, it's was like, oh. I'm yeah, I didn't baby. care for Grim. What? But that movie's so sad. That's like the Stanley. most beautiful, tragic movie. What? Don't say that uh, in my presence. Okay, the I'm podcast on. is over, y'all. We're breaking <laughs> up. We're breaking up. Feud. Um, okay. Um, moving yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. So, so what's your name? Watch it. I'm, I'm watch gonna watch it. it. Y'all yeah. convince me. I'm gonna go see it. I'm gonna go see it. Um, okay. I wanted to talk about this because it's yeah. sort of been big in the news lately and actually something that I've dealt with in my job, actually. Mm. Um, I, I'm talking about 13, Reason Why, 13 Reasons Why, the new Netflix original series, executive produced by Selena Gomez, oh. for your information, if you did not know. Um, so this is a, 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 based on a, a young adult novel of the same name, and it tells the story of this uh, student, Hannah Baker, who commits suicide. Um, and she leaves 13 tapes detailing the 13 reasons why she committed suicide. And she leaves them to, uh, the 13 people who are the reasons why she committed suicide and they are passing the tapes along to each other. So that's what the whole series is about. Isn't that horrible? (laughs) I know. I know. I mean, it's like, that's bad. Um, so I started watching the series on a whim because my brother really wanted to watch it. And a lot of people at his school were watching it. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll watch it with you. Like, I'll check it out. And um, at first, I'll be honest, at first I did not like it. I hated it. I thought it was, like, just dumb high school drama. And I was, like, kind of sad because I was like, I feel old. Like, I feel old that I can't enjoy this because, (laughs) like, it's such high school crap. And I'm so, like, over it. Uh, But then after the third episode is when, like, shit starts getting real in the series. And I was like, okay, I'm in. And then it just keeps getting darker and darker and darker. It is a very, very dark yeah. and graphic show. Um, and there's a lot of drama because a lot of suicide advocates, suicide prevention advocates are uh, uh, concerned. They think it sensationalizes suicide. They think it promotes uh, 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 unhealthy ideas. And then there's some people who appreciate what the show's trying to do. And I will say Netflix has gone on. Like the official website for the show is... Uh, 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 links to suicide prevention hotlines mm. and websites and resources and information. And they also have a, I think it's a Tumblr actually connected to the website where you can share anti-suicide and anti-bullying images and messages. So Netflix is well aware. And Netflix yeah, and they also, on, I think it's worth mentioning that they also have a separate show called Beyond the Reasons mm-hmm. where they at, talk to doctors and they really push kind of the mm-hmm. suicide prevention hotlines. Right. It's the um, after show. Right. Yeah, it's their after show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it, I've had to deal with this personally because at my work, um, I deal with young uh, adults and young students. And, 
you know, parents were understandably concerned. A lot of people, like, there's a lot of talk. Like, this is a very viral show. Like, everyone's talking about yeah. the show and watching the show. And some parents are concerned. And I don't know. It, it brings up a lot of questions. And I don't know. Uh, how do y'all feel about the Number one, have you seen the show, Stanley? No. No. Olivia, I want I think to. You, sorry. I want, I want to. Yeah. yeah. Olivia? No. Okay. I got... I- I got locked out of my shared Netflix oh, account. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. too many people so, were using it. <laughs> so I've seen the entire uh, series. Yeah. And I can say, you know, at least my take on it, I think the show uh, in no way uh, glamorizes suicide or promotes so you suicide. Don't, you don't think there was like a sens- sensationalization no. or glamorization? No. If anything, at the very end, the show is arguing for an increased responsibility of school districts in student mental health. And the show argues for reaching out to the people who you think are in danger. Like, uh, not to spoil or anything, because we know that she died, like she kills herself. Mm-hmm. But uh, towards the end of the show... Uh, there's a character that people start reaching out to because of what's happened and all the events. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, that's what the, sh- like, that's the message the show's trying to get to. I think the problem is that parents are only watching that like first, exactly first two episodes and they just see the sensationalized teen drama and they don't get deeper into the series. Yeah. And it's really deeper. Like the last half of the series is when they really start tackling this. And also the thing that the series, I, and I agree uh, a lot of critics say the series doesn't handle mental illness uh, in a prominent way. Um, and I think the series could have done a better job doing that. I will agree to that. But I think in no way does it sensationalize. I think this is an issue of parents knowing what their kids are watching mm-hmm. and, you know, controlling that. And I, I don't know. What are y'all's take on this? You've heard the controversy. Um, I don't know. You haven't seen the show, but you know what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's hard to say when you haven't seen the series. Mm-hmm. Um, I did read an NPR article about it where there was um, a counselor, a psychiatrist, I think, who did say that for her it was really, really tough to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sat through the whole thing. And whenever people talk whenever people talk about watching the show, especially her clients, because she deals with a lot of suicide prevention. Um, so whenever she talks about her clients or maybe their parents watching the show, she always, she's just like, don't watch it. That's what she's been mm-hmm. telling people. Because she was really like... She watched the whole thing and was just completely sickened by it. Um, So I think it's hard when I haven't seen the series yet. And I also Mm -hmm. don't struggle with um, I don't struggle with depression or suicidal thoughts. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's really my place to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Exactly. You're right. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, just like hearing different perspectives where, you know, there, there are definitely like two camps who there's one camp that says, you know, like this doesn't glamorize suicide. Netflix is doing a good job of promoting suicide prevention. Um, and then the, the other camp where just like, it totally glamorizes suicide and Netflix is definitely not doing enough. So mm-hmm. there, I, it, I've, I've seen those two camps emerge. Definitely. It's tough. I've also seen the camp, like, uh, recently, I'm forgetting her name, I should know it, but Barb from Stranger Things, Uh she actually uh, sent out a lot of tweets talking about the show, and she goes, if you are a survivor who uh, is easily triggered, uh, who could be triggered by these images, or if you're someone who is close to a survivor, or if you're a survivor of sexual um, uh, assault and harassment, 
this show, she's like, do not watch this show because mm-hmm. it could trigger you and it could um, remind you of these horrible things. Um, but she says, but the show's still important and the show, in her opinion, handles it in a responsible way, especially towards the end when they start getting into the actual like suicide part of it. Um, right. I, the show does, I will say, the show does show her committing suicide. This is not a spoiler, but it does show her actually committing the act. Bloody. Yes, committing yeah. the act of suicide. I'm not entirely sure if that needed to be in the show. I don't know. Yeah, I, know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's just triggering content for the sake of... I mean, I haven't seen it, but it feels mm-hmm. like, you know, she committed suicide. You don't have to show it, you know, exactly. like triggering exactly. content for the sake of being edgy and having that triggering content is not the same as the mm. story really demanding it. Right. Right. So I agree. I, I think it could have done without, although the, the other thing too, is that Netflix, you know, they made sure to say, Hey, we actually had medical professionals consult on the show mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if they knew about this scene in particular but the way the scene is handled even though it is graphic it does um go into the parents in a way that the rest of the show doesn't which I thought was an insightful look into their psyche I mean these are parents who lose their daughter and uh, they're ignored for almost a, a good portion of the show I don't know it's it's just tough it's really tough uh I say it's a parental issue Parents should know what their kids are watching, mm-hmm. and it open it's a it could open a dialogue like it, it it could be a conversation starter. And if you think your kids are ready to watch this, and you want to watch it with them, I mean that's your call. Um, but if not, then you know I, I'd say hold back. Um, and you know it, I, I'd I'd heed the warnings. Obviously, I'm not someone who suffers from depression or suicidal thoughts, so uh, I could I I watch the show with relative ease, but. Um, you know, I'd probably heed the warnings, maybe stay away from the show if, um, I don't know, if that's something yeah. that could potentially remind you of some horrible things. Um, I don't know. Any other sort of thoughts about this? No. That's all okay. for me. Yeah. All righty. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. So we're, we're doing a, a trailer rapid fire round. Trailer rapid fire. We're towards Woo! the end of the episode. We have some trailers to talk about. Just two, but... Just two. Yeah. Let's start with Detroit. Uh, Detroit. The new film by Catherine Bigelow mm-hmm. um, of The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Mm-hmm. And Detroit. Um, it's about... <laughs> oh my god i have no so idea actually. just as we're talking my friend uh our friend simone actually just texted me um, about the movie about no about uh 13 reasons why in oh uh, the twitter comments that people were sending that's so funny uh anyway sorry oh, yeah. back to detroit yeah Catherine bigelow yeah so it's about um the darkest moments during the civil unrest that rocked Detroit in the summer of 1967. I love that you're reading yeah. this up. Oh IMDb. my God. Word because for I am word. Totally, the log line word for yeah. word. Yeah. I, because I'm totally like um, ignorant about the right. events. That, I mean, to be fair, it's something that happened a long time yeah. ago. Right, right, right. And then the, the tagline in the trailer was like, you will, like, you will know why this summer or something. Or mm-hmm. It's time that you know, right? But yeah. Olympia, what are uh, so it, like I see it and I'm like yeah this is a Catherine Bigelow movie like the way yeah, it is the way it's oh shot, yeah the way it's shot like immediately like, aesthetically I'm just like yep that's a Catherine Bigelow movie that mm-hmm. yep there it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. and I was Super. happy John yeah 
Go for Super it. excited about John Boyega. I think John he's taking Boyega. Like really yeah. interesting roles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of drama. A lot of drama. This guy's doing a lot of drama. Um, yeah. But like, I I've loved him since um, Attack the Block, and so Love I'm really that movie. yeah, I'm really excited to see how he does with this. Um, so I'll say yeah, I, I really know like ooh. Mm-hmm. A white woman handling the Detroit riots is a little That's, bit like I'm a little suspect of that. Mm-hmm. Even like if I'm it's definitely just Bigelow. like, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. And, and you know, surprisingly, there hasn't been a, a lot of backlash about it. Not that I've really seen. There's been some, but not. I think only because that she is like a more accomplished. She's a director. accomplished director, and she's a higher caliber director, yeah. I guess. But yeah. does that excuse? I guess I just it? don't want. I don't think so. I, yeah, I guess I just don't want to fall into the trap of like, oh, this is great, female director. Right. And mm-hmm. just like kind of completely it, chuck yeah. out like a critical eye here. Um, mm-hmm. I but guess yeah, we'll see when the movie comes out. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you guys know if she wrote the if she wrote the movie as well? No, um, the writer is Mark Bowl, who okay. also wrote Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty. Mm-hmm. But he's yeah. a white guy. I don't know. I mean, like, I was, I was, yeah, I was really suspect of like Zero Dark Thirty as well. So, like, for me, I don't know. Catherine Bigelow has always been this one thing where it's like, yeah, great woman director, but also I've got my eye on you. Like, that's how that's how I've always approached Catherine Bigelow. Mm -hmm. Um, Just have you enjoyed her past films? I've enjoyed them, and I've definitely had like my problems with them as well. So Mm. it's just. Like, especially with Zero Dark Thirty. So it's just one of those things where, like, I'm definitely just kind of like, mm. like, objectively, yes, quality movie. But, like, when we get into the nitty gritty of it, how do I, like, how do you really feel, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. The, uh, another thing I sort of uh, just want to briefly talk about, because I am not an expert in this at all, but uh, some friends uh, have, you know, put the like have called attention to this which is also there are some criticisms that this movie is erasing black women from the narrative and how black women were a huge part of the Detroit 67 riots mm-hmm. and how there's a sort of erasure going on in this movie and from the trailer you I see mean, no you like, see you see hardly any black women yeah. really yeah um, no you're right uh, so and, and I don't know and it, I feel it, I feel like that happens often with black femmes where they kind of get erased. I mean, I think we saw that with like the clusterfuck that was Stonewall, right? Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, I think just have a critical eye. I'm yeah, I'm like I I'm uh, like uh, interested to see the movie. Um, right, right. Because I'll I do, probably see it, but yeah, yes. I do love John Boyega and the roles he's taken so far. Like he hasn't really you know like steered in a way where it's you know right right we're like i'm super disappointed but um yeah i'm i'm interested to see how this movie shakes out because the trailer it like a trailer is a trailer right like yeah. mm-hmm. you can never tell what the movie is going to be from the trailer no not at all not at all and uh, Catherine bigelow has a, a history of like trailers that sort of 
make you think it's going to be one thing, but the movie is like actually a whole different mm-hmm. thing. At least with Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker, yeah. Hurt Locker was like portrayed as being this like action, action movie, movie yeah. and it's like, no, not at all. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm interested to see. We'll see what this movie ends up being. But speaking of John Boyega, oh, yeah. here we go. Yes. Yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars. Yes. The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. We finally have the teaser trailer. Yeah. And how do y'all feel? How do y'all feel? <laughs> Uh, hype? Are you hyped? I mean, like, like I said before, I wasn't. I'm not a huge Star Wars. You're not fan. a Star Wars person, right? Uh, so I'm hype. Yeah, so yeah. I just I'm like so take in what it is. I am so hype. I am I'm so hype. So I love John Boyega. <laughs> I love Oscar Isaac. I love Daisy yes. Ridley. I'm very, yes. very excited because um, the news just came out that a Vietnamese woman was going to have like a major role in this next film, which I'm awesome. also really excited about because Star Wars is so shit about women of color in its universe, and I'm just really excited that I'm getting that. Mm-hmm, I'm just, yeah. I'm hype. I'm really pumped. I'm and if it lets me down. They're, well, they will suffer I mean, my wrath. Well, so, you know, uh, I, uh, speaking of, like, just Star Wars and Star Wars love, the, I, I've been a big fan. Like, my favorite Star Wars film is Empire Strikes Back, the second film. And that's the training film. And that's also the darkest film. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's what we're getting here. Like, they are copying that sort of theme, right? Like, this is going to be the training movie. Luke is obviously training Rey. Um, but also it seems to be a lot darker. I mean, just the name of the movie, The Last Jedi. And then that ending shot where Luke like looks back and he goes, it's time for the Jedi to end. You're like, oh my God, what? Oh my like, God. Oh my God, what's going to happen? Uh, I'm hyped. I'm just, I'm, I'm like, I'm so excited for it. And I hate that I am because I, I have this like love-hate relationship with Disney Star Wars where I'm like, they're obviously exploiting me and my nostalgia yeah. and my love of Star Wars, but also at the same time, give it to me. Give it all to me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I don't Star know. Star Wars. I don't it's know. It's going to make billions. Yeah, well, I'm so yeah. excited. But will it make Fast and Furious money? No. 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 Maybe. No. No, no I, I think it will. I really think it will. But I was incorrect before. Um, the Vietnamese actress is going to be in episode eight, not The Last episode. Jedi. Whoops. Gotcha. Gotcha. The ne- Wait, it is eight. That's eight. Wait, yeah, it yeah. is eight. Yeah, that's eight. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up right now. Yeah, seven, eight, Google, nine. God, she... I get so confused with the numbers. Yeah, it is. But her name confusing. is Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, that's why I saw that's it. That's awesome. That's that's so awesome. Star Wars has been and also Vietnamese like people in general don't get featured in films, so, so mm-hmm. this is like great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so great. I'm so excited. So yeah, Star Wars has been doing pretty good. Pretty good with that. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm waiting for the Fast and Furious Star Wars crossover. <laughs> whenever that happens, whenever they go to space, they'll go yeah, to a galaxy Fast far, is gonna far go away. To... <laughs> Honestly, I would love that. Maybe there's some fan fiction on it. Hey, Probably. maybe I need to start writing this fan fiction. Actually, I think you might. I'm going to go I, ahead and start. So I think let's wrap up the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that has been our podcast um, a little bit longer than usual. But hey, the whole gang is back together and yeah. we wanted to talk about so many things. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Remember, you can listen to us everywhere that you listen to podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, everywhere. Share it with your friends and family. We're a family-friendly podcast, right? I guess. I don't know. Um, not really. But that- <laughs> <laughs> not really. Uh, but still, share it anyway. Share it with your cool family. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Share it with your dope family. And you can follow us on our social media. We're at MinorityPod on Twitter, at MinorityPod on Instagram, and at The Minority Report on Facebook. Let us know how we're doing. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.